0: So, you've heard of the official 24 James Bond movies, but that's the key word, official. There are three James Bond movies made outside of Eon's series, sometimes referred to as the Rogue Agents. Let's take a look. Live from Television City in Hollywood, Climax presents Casino Royale from the bestseller by Ian Fleming. Stars Barry Nelson, Peter Laurie, and Linda Christian, and now Casino Royale. Casino Royale from 1954. This is the first time a James Bond story was put to screen. It was part of a TV show called Climax, which adapted books and plays into a one-hour TV special. Technically, though, it was preserved on film as a kinoscope, which is an archaic method of preserving TV broadcasts, which amounted basically to pointing a camera at a special television set and recording it back onto black-and-white film. This was commonplace since videotape would not be used regularly until the 1960s and commercially available until the 1970s. Many old TV shows and specials were preserved this way. Despite being able to only watch it in black and white today, it was broadcast in color. Not only was this a TV special, it was performed live, like a play, which was not uncommon at the time, with special effects and all. It was considered a lost film and relatively obscure until an incomplete kinescope was found, missing the last two minutes of the movie in 1981. Those final minutes were eventually found, and the movie would go on to be rebroadcast on TV, and re-released on VHS and DVD subsequently. But the question is, is it good? You were so lucky to miss. Did you to to kill me. Well, eh, no. <laughs> It has some fun moments, but by today's standards, and especially compared to the recent 2006 adaptation, it's very boring. Even though it's only an hour, it feels like three. One of the most egregious changes is making James Bond an American for US audiences. Oh, uh, this Mr. Clarence Leiter, This I was just teaching Mr. Leiter how to play Baccarat. That sort of thing was commonplace at the time and it still happens nowadays. Six official 007s of all different sorts of nationalities, but they all play a British man well, even Lazenby. A young Barry Nelson, Stuart Ullman from The Shining, if you remember, dons the suit and bow tie and stumbles through several games of Baccarat, the French card game played throughout the series, but strangely enough, not in the 2006 adaptation. Like I said, this movie is pretty short, since the book is barely over 200 pages, but if you don't know the game of Baccarat... You're in for a boring ride on this one. Actor William Lundigan opens up the special, and the movie flows very much like a play, not just because it was performed live, but it's broken up into three acts, which are titled as such when they come back from commercial breaks. One thing that makes this movie stand out is the main villain, Le Chiffre, played by Peter Lorre. He's as creepy and slimy as ever, and really elevates the scenes he's in. I said stand still. It seems we have a few points of mutual interest to discuss, huh? Such as that check for 87 million francs. Casino Royale's not as epic and memorable as Casablanca, but don't worry. It's substantially better than Lori's second-to-last piece of cinema, Muscle Beach Party. The aforementioned now-American 007 has a British counterpart, Clarence Leiter, a mix of two characters from the novel Felix Leiter, who was American of the book and Eon series, and Renee Mathis. Vesper Lind, the love interest, is renamed Valerie Mathis, taking Renee Mathis' last name. Uh, speaking of Bond's love interest, one of their biggest changes is this movie's ending. Spoiler for a movie and book well over 60 years old. In the original book's ending, an agent of Smirch kills Lashief for losing their investment. Vesper gives up the money to Smirch in exchange for Bond's life and has been working as a double agent, faking her kidnapping to lure Bond into a trap. She then kills herself, and Bond coldly tells M the bitch is dead. But in the TV special, Bond and Valerie trick Lashief as he is torturing Bond, and it's Bond who shoots Lashief, not an agent of Smirsh. And I can only assume Bond and Valerie walk off into the sunset singing Rosie from Bye Bye Birdie. I can't really recommend this for a casual viewer. This will only interest you from a film history standpoint or a curiosity of how James Bond fares in his screen debut. An ambitious but eh, slow start to the 007 series on screen. Casino Royale is too much for one James Bond. Join the Casino Royale fun movement. Casino Royale from 1967. <laughs> Casino Royale from 1954 is accurate as to what we know of Agent 007, and as primitive of a spy thriller as you can produce, gets a pass for its status of being the first ever screen adaptation only two years after that novel was written. But the second Casino Royale... I <laughs> not Ugh, it is the real deal. It is straight garbage, and I won't even pretend to act like this one's worth your time. This movie is awful. Casino Royale is indestructibly wild. Indescribably funny. Oh, you like that sort of thing, eh? Awful, awful, awful. Let's let's go over some basics. There are several dozen 007s in this movie, in an attempt by MI6 to confuse Smursh. There are seven main James Bonds throughout this movie. David Niven plays the real James Bond, who comes out of retirement to spoil Smirch's plot. The bits with Le at the casino are surprisingly accurate to the book as far as this movie's standards go, but don't get used to it since it comes and goes as quick as you can process it. Peter Sellers plays Evelyn Tremble, or James Bond 007, the main young playboy Bond of the movie, and Woody Allen uh, pretty much plays himself as Bond's misfit nephew Jimmy, who is introduced about to be shot in front of a firing squad. My, my doctor says I can't have bullets enter my body at any time. But he is also secretly the head of Smirsh, named Dr. Noah. Ursula Andrus returning from Dr. No to play Vesper Lind, she is also James Bond. Dahlia Lavi is James Bond. Joanna Pettet plays Mata Bond, but also James Bond, the love child of fictional James Bond, and real World War One spy Mata Hari. Moneypenny, played by Barbara Boucher, is also a 007 and Terence Cooper as Z- Coop is his name but who is also you guessed it James Bond are you confused yes great me too let's continue aside from Dr. Noah or Jimmy Bond the main villain is Le Chiffre, played by Orson Welles goodbye Mr. Bond it's been nice knowing you who Uh, hates this movie more than I do. He knew this movie was going to suck, and it looks like he filmed his scenes in an afternoon. Aside from literal magic tricks he plays at the card table, he phones in his performance hard and allegedly refused to work with Peter Sellers on set, so they filmed their bits together separately. In fact, Sellers was fired before he was done shooting his scenes. Instead of being written out, he's just forgotten after the last scene. And if you ever wondered what James Bond would do in retirement, you're in luck because you get to see it for the first thirty minutes of the movie. Bond also has a stutter, but he kisses Money Penny and loses it. Like that. How about that? And the between the almost non-existent plot line and you know, I'm just gonna stop right here. Seriously, if anybody can explain this movie's plot to me better than I'm doing it right now, please send it to me through Facebook or Twitter because I this this. Look, I've seen this movie more than once, which is more times than anyone should ever watch it, and I can barely tell you what's going on without having to look up parts of the plot. I mean, this, this movie makes no sense whatsoever. You'll meet plenty of interesting characters like M, who dies at the beginning of the movie, a barking seal with a 007 tag, I guess intended to be another Bond, to confuse Smirsch Cronstein's actor from from Russia with Love, does a cameo, and then blows up almost immediately, and a tribe of Native Americans dancing in the casino as a big brawl is happening. The movie ends when Jimmy Bond eats a pill that will explode after he hiccups 100 times. After the last hiccup, the casino blows up. Three, two everyone dies going to heaven except for Woody Allen going straight to hell for probably more reasons than who's was in this movie (laughs) all right listen to say this movie's uneven and all over the place is a complete understatement this is not just a bad 007 movie this movie is a blight on the history of a cinema Sean Connery is James Bond agent 007 never say never again Never Say Never Again from 1983. Still bitter about Ian Fleming using parts of his story in his book and upset that Eon adapted the movie, Kevin McClory wanted to produce his own version. After being in development hell for quite a while, the pseudo-remake of Thunderball hit theaters the same year as Eon's 007 movie Octopussy in 1983. Not only was this unofficial 007 movie competing with Eon, it had its original star, Sean Connery. If you're familiar with Thunderball, you'll understand this movie quite well. It's updated for the 80s, though, with its fashion, politics, and a scene where Bond bests Largo in a video game as opposed to skeet shooting. I know Bond is smart, but that scene is always so silly to me. If you thought Roger Moore is a little long the tooth at this point, Sean Connery, well, three years younger, is physically older to the point that it's part of the plot. This is, of course, largely forgotten when Bond goes to the Bahamas and sleeps with the villainous and a random girl at the resort within five minutes of each other. The soundtrack is fine. There's nothing to write home about in comparison to the James Bond theme and iconic theme songs. The soundtrack is also a little uneven in tone. One of the main villains, Phantom of Blush, who's based on Fiona Volpe from Thunderball, has 20s swing music playing in her car at one point. But when she's snorkeling with Bond and intends to leave him for dead at the bottom of the sea, there's a weird duet of smooth jazz saxophone and an ominous Jaws-esque, like a bump, 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 bump sort of thing. I, 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 you know, these sounds are playing on top of each other. I don't know. The titular opening song by Lanny Hall is extremely forgettable. Uh, like I said, the movie's kind of written around Sean Connery's age, but it gives him more of a reason to be at the clinic at the beginning. I will give them that, referencing Bond's years of drinking dry martinis and smoking like a chimney. Well, your adrenaline gives you an edge. If it is your edge sharp enough, my duty is to keep you up to par. Too many free radicals caused by eating too much red meat and white bread and too many dry martinis. Then I shall cut out the white bread. In Thunderball, he's there, but he's still in his prime, nearly 20 years younger. The supporting cast all do their job well. The standout is Klaus Maria Brandauer as Maximilian Largo, the main antagonist. He gives off an unsettling chaotic energy through his younger, clean-shaven face, not unlike the Scorpio killer in Dirty Harry. He seems to be in control for most of the movie, but you feel he could snap at literally any moment. A young Kim Basinger, in one of her first film roles, plays Domino, the main love interest of Bond. She's no Claudine Auger, but she carries the role just fine. Mr. Bean himself, Rowan Atkinson, plays a young agent who assists Bond in The Bahamas. I know he's had plenty of roles before and after Mr. Bean, voice acting in The Lion King, of course, but it's always so weird hearing him speak. The aforementioned Fatima Blush, played by Barbara Carrera, is similar to her Thunderball counterpart, pretty much the exact same character. Not much to complain or praise about. In terms of the three unofficial movies, this one is probably the best, although that's not a very high bar to pass. Through the movie's flaws, there's something endearing about watching Sean Connery reprise the role that launched him to superstardom. The movie's title, Never Say Never Again, is actually a reference to Bond, saying he would never again play the role of 007 after 1971's Diamonds of Forever. And I'm glad he did come back, because otherwise this film would be quite unbearable. I'm Kevin Hart. Thank you so much for listening in.